Welcome back to another episode of Pour Me Another, podcast brought to you from a closet in Virginia by a guy named John. And that's me. I'm John. Hey, how you doing? Did you guys miss me? I missed you. Last week, we uh, we interviewed Will Stewart on the show, good buddy of mine. It was a good interview. We talked about the uh, the business of making custom furniture and what it's like to be a uh, a small business operator here in the United States and Will's, Will's thoughts on the topics of you know, uh, living wages and, and how to take care of employees and stuff like that. And then we also talked about uh, mountain biking and the Brachiosaurus. And speaking of mountain biking, uh, I, I did my first trail ride today. So uh, as the result of influence from a few friends, Will was included in that. Mark, who I also interviewed, a couple other people I know. Hey, Casey. Um they they talked to me at length about mountain biking and and how it makes him feel really good and how healthy it is and I said well then I want to get into that so I bought a bike and uh, I got a let's see what was it it was I got a, a, a Diamondback Line which is a hardtail mountain bike and I started riding the bicycle and the first day was really good I went way too far because I was like super excited to have a new bicycle and I I basically like broke my ass. <laughs> I rode the thing so fucking hard for so long like I I literally like my ass cheeks were well they're like not the cheeks they Mark told me it was my sit bones which is like the place where the bicycle seat the saddle is actually the proper term goes like up in your ass <laughs> that's what you said your your sit bones are what connect with the bike saddle and so evidently they were just sore from not being conditioned to ride said mountain bike but anyway it was fun I uh I had a good time riding the bike, and I, I, I today was my second ride where I did my first like mountain bike trail that Will told me to go check out. So I went and checked out this mountain bike trail, and it was very well difficult. <laughs> it, it, it smoked me. It kicked my ass. I I did everything that I could to uh, pedal my my little my fat little butt up and down these hills and trails, but. I still, I ended up getting my ass smoked. So that's a, that's a learning process. What I realized is it's really, really hard to get going from a stop uphill on a mountain bike. Uh, and I learned that, uh, on a, on a, on a difficult enough trail, my quadriceps turn into absolute jello after, I don't know, a few hundred meters. Jesus, it was rough, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really out of aerobic shape and I'm really out of mountain bike shape because I've never ridden one. And so I'm going to persist <clears throat> and, uh, hopefully, Hopefully get better at that, and uh, in the future when I'm when I'm really ripping up the mountain bike trails, I'll be sure and tell you all about it. Otherwise, I'll, I'll quit and sell the bike because <laughs> it's too fucking hard. Anyway, uh, so that's what I did today, and um, <clears throat> as a result of that, sorry, I keep clearing my throat. As a result of that, I'm not drinking alcohol tonight. Um, my my beverage, the name of the show is Pour Me Another. Today, I'm just pouring myself a root beer. I needed a root beer, so <laughs> I'm having a root beer. I also had some... Uh, some BCAAs, blockchain amino acids, and I had uh, a bunch of water. So nothing exciting this week. Uh, no alcohol this time. Just some some regular old soda pop and, and water and stuff. Um, so this week, the uh, the function of the episode is entertainment stuff. And so there are two things that I want to talk about today. And one, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a video game franchise I love called Fallout. The Fallout franchise, if you've ever heard of it, um, it's post-apocalyptic. Awesome, awesome, awesome game. So I'm going to talk about Fallout. And then uh, I want to do, after that, my my own review of Season 8 of Game of Thrones. Because it just ended last night. And I want to I wanna go back over Game of Thrones, Season 8, and give you guys my impression of it and what I thought. So I'll start with the video game. 
that I want to do this month. And like I said, that is the Fallout franchise. So Fallout. What is Fallout? Uh, I first encountered Fallout in the late 90s. And I remember what happened was uh, it had been my birthday. And I, I don't know. I think I was like 12 or something. And um, my mom took us to Winston-Salem to visit my grandmother who lived in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, Winston, if, for those of you unfamiliar with North Carolina or the surrounding region, Winston-Salem is a medium-sized city in North Carolina. It's it's home to R.J. Reynolds, the cigarette company. So, you know, it's got some stuff going on. It's, it's, it's fairly large. Um, but that my grandmother lived there for a really long time before we moved her up here to the nursing homes when she got really old, really old. And we would go down there and visit her. And one of our favorite places to visit while we were in Winston-Salem was Haynes Mall. It's a super cool mall. It's been around forever. But in the same shopping area as Haynes Mall, they had a Toys R Us. And for all of you 90s kids, you know Toys R Us was just a fucking bomb.com. There were so many more toys at Toys R Us than, than you were used to at places like Walmart or the dollar store or whatever. You'd walk in and they're just fucking seas of... of unique and interesting toys you don't really get to see anywhere else and they they even had a video game section and so I remember one year for my birthday I'd been given some cash someone had given me like 20 bucks and I wanted to spend it and so we were in Winston I was like mom take me to Toys R Us I want to spend my 20 she's like all right so I go and I remember I, I go to the the video game section of this Toys R Us and when I was a kid I, I mean even as an adult I still love video games always have <clears throat> But I, I, we had a PC, and we played video games on our PC, our computer, and so I, I figured I, you know, you could always get like more interesting and and unique video games on the PC as opposed to like Sega or Nintendo, because like those those consoles, they had good quality games, but there there were certain genres that were missing, right? Like uh, real time strategy games, which is where you control like a big army, or um, you know, uh, the really in-depth RPG role-playing games like Skyrim and stuff. So you couldn't get that on a console back in the day. You know, you had to go to the PC for the for the deeper sort of more technical video games. And you could you could usually get a lot more video game for your money on the PC. And so I went to the little PC section and I was looking at the PC games that they had. And I saw this case and it had this helmet on it. And this helmet was crazy looking. It looked like it was made of like steel and it had this like wicked... Um, visor and this eyepiece that came down over the visor. It just it was this really cool kind of like futuristic, retro future steampunk kind of thing looking. I was like, dude, this looks awesome. I don't even know what the fuck this is, but it, was, it said Fallout. And I was like, Fallout? I've never even heard of this game before. But it looks really cool, so fuck it. it and, and I picked it up and I was looking at the case and it, it came with two games. It came with Fallout 1 and Fallout 2, which I knew nothing about. But I was like, this looks cool because the Fallout 2 case had another picture of like a different kind of the same sort of armor thing going on. I was like, this is awesome. I want this game. So I took it home. I bought it with my, my 20 bucks. And I took it home. I took it, I took it back to, we lived in uh, Grayson County, I think, at the time. And I popped it in the computer and I installed it and I booted it up and I played like seven minutes and fucking didn't touch it again. <laughs> it was the most boring shit of my life. And when I say boring, it it was a, it was a God's eye view. You're looking down on top of your character and character is real small and is in the middle of the map. And you would like click on a space and your character would walk to that space. And if you wanted to shoot something, it was it, the game was what's known as a turn-based 
RPG. So when you would engage in combat, you couldn't just like click on what you wanted to die and shoot at it. You it was a turn-based thing. Like in your turn, okay, I'm going to select this gun and I am going to take a shot at him and that used up a certain amount of action points. And like, you know, one gun might use 5 action points per shot. And if you have 10 total action points, then you get two shots. And depending on your skill level with that weapon, you will either do more or less damage on the enemy that you've targeted. And it's, it, it sounds, it's, I know that's kind of complex for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, but when you start playing it, it actually becomes really intuitive. And there's a lot of other games out there that are turn-based strategy and turn-based RPGs like this. And uh, at the time, I was just a doofy kid. Like, I, I wanted something to just, like, point and click, 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 bang, 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 bang. But instead, this game was like, take your time and think about it and place your shots accurately, you dumb fuck. And I was just a kid, so I didn't want to do that. So I said, fuck this. This is fucking lame. And like in the beginning of the game, in Fallout 1, it's so not exciting or glamorous. Because like, it turns out, alright, you're in this vault. Okay, and your vault's underground. What What's a vault? I don't even know. Fuck. And it's like, there's been some kind of nuclear war or something. And you're like, what the fuck is all this shit? And you, you come out of your vault. Evidently, your vault's got a water chip. That, that purifies the water, it's broken, you gotta go out in the world, find a goddamn water chip, save the fucking vault, but that's boring, because you come out of the vault, and it's just this fucking cave, and there's like rats, and a dead body, and that's it, that's the beginning of the game, and it was so boring for a 10 year old, right, or 12, or however what I was, so I, I fucking, I turned it off, didn't play it again, until like two years later, like that shit legit sat on my desk for forever, and then I went back one day, and I was bored, and I didn't have anything else to play. And I was like, oh shit, I still have this Fallout game. Why don't I try it? So I popped it back in. I sat down. And the real story is, Fallout is set in what's known as um, a retro future, sort of alternate history. And it's kind of like the 1950s, but the technology is much more advanced than we got to in the 1950s. And there's a humongous nuclear war, nuclear holocaust, that wipes out the majority of the human race. And before the nuclear war took place, a company named Vault-Tec created these vaults underground, and they filled them up with people to survive the nuclear holocaust that they anticipated was coming. And you're in one of these vaults. It's Vault 13. Vault 13 has a water purification chip that breaks, malfunctions. And your job as the vault dweller is to go out into the wastelands of post-apocalyptic southwest United States. Set The first one is set in New Mexico and Arizona and California. And your job is to go out into this wasteland and find a replacement water chip so that the, the, the vault can continue to produce clean water and the people inside the vault will not die. And so you go out into this cave. The cave is you stepping into this world of darkness and, and, and despair for the first time. And if you stick with it, it's kind of tedious at first because you have no idea what the fuck you're doing, if you've not, especially if you've never played a, a turn-based uh, RPG, role-playing game. You have no idea what to do. And if you don't know what you're doing, it can be tedious, but then once you get into it and once you really start to defeat the learning curve and figure the game out, it becomes an enormous amount of fun. And one of the really interesting features of the game is right at the beginning, uh, when you first start, before you go through the the whole cutscene where the overseer, who's like the head of the vault, tells you your mission and what you're supposed to do, you get to create your character. And Fallout had this really in-depth character creation tool called Special. And that stands for like strength, perception, endurance, charisma, intelligence, agility, and luck. 
I can't believe I remembered all that off the top of my head. And you get to choose points for each one of those attributes, but then there's also skills that you get to choose, and you can level up certain skills. There's like 60, no, 30 skills you get to pick from, you know, like big guns, small guns, energy weapons, unarmed, gambling, talking, speech, barter, all this shit. And you get to, th- you get to pick like three tag skills that you can level up faster. Anyway, it's really in-depth. And it lets you build this like really specific type of uh, character map for yourself. What kind of character do you want to be? Do you want a big, bulky, strong guy that, that that punches really hard but isn't really good with words, or do you want to be this sneaky little fuck who's who's an excellent sniper but you know is it can't carry all that much weight? It's really up to you to build and create your own individual kind of character, and that's special stuck with Fallout for a really really long time. But anyway, the story is this post-apocalyptic United States and. Uh, in the course of your travels, you encounter, you go out into this wasteland, and they really captured, in the in just the first game, the despair of living in post-apocalyptic USA. It was all of the effects worked well together. You know, the the music was really eerie and ominous, and then the the little uh, the little animations for all the characters in the game it got to be pretty fucking brutal and violent. It's a very brutal, violent game. There's cussing. There's really dark humor. You know, they make lots of jokes about murdering and fucking and all kinds of things. But <clears throat> as you progress through the game, you you really get a taste for what the atmosphere and the vibe that they wanted to create in this post-apocalyptic retro-future USA is, and it is absolutely intoxicating. It is one of the most addicting video game experiences I've ever had. When I was, when I first got into Fallout, I couldn't fucking believe that this game had been sitting around untouched by me and untouched by people that I knew because it was a masterpiece of storytelling through experience. You're walking through this vast, wasteland of nuclear misery and you run into all kinds of interesting factions like the raiders and the hub salespeople, the caravans who are you know moving all of this stuff across the wasteland and then the brotherhood of steel is this giant organization of paramilitary dudes who collect and preserve the most advanced technology from the well, the world before the nuclear war, the United States military before the nuclear war. So the Brotherhood of Steel is is like the most technologically advanced band of dudes in the game. They're really a military organization, and they have this huge bunker that you get to go inside of. But the thing about the, the Brotherhood of Steel is that they're all wearing power armor, and power armor is one of the, like like main elements of the game for the player to uh it's it's one of the the main goal, goal items you want to get power armor because it, it it protects you better than anything else in the game and it's literally a giant suit of metal armor that encases your entire body and it's powered by nuclear fusion on the back end which is really cool and it has targeting systems and everything but once you put this power it's a big huge suit of metal powered armor that that literally is you're stronger you're faster you can carry more shit you you know you're everything is everything is better in power armor right and your damage resistance goes way the fuck up and so the the helmet that you see on the case of Fallout 1 is the power armor in the game, and uh, this, this is actually really nerdy, but the, the the numerical designation for that was T51B Power Armor was the first suit of Power Armor in, in Fallout, and 
in the there, there's some really cool scenes. They do these little cut scenes where you see like video clips from the past before the nuclear holocaust. And evidently, the United States was fighting a resource war with China, and that's what caused the nuclear holocaust was this resource war with the Chinese. But there's videos of dudes in power armor annexing Canada and shit, and you see these guys like walking around U.S. Army soldiers in power armor, and so you know it's it's they it's really hard to explain just how interesting and unique and sort of eerie the vibe they create of this like you're looking into the past but that's actually the future and this technology is so much more advanced but it's really like the 1950s and we fought the fucking red chinese communists and they 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 launched nukes and we launched nukes and now everybody's dead but these vault dwellers well so okay to continue you go out into the fucking wasteland and you're you meet the Brotherhood of Steel and then, you know, your 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 travels you run into these things called super mutants and, and turns out that there's this whole like evil fucker named the Master who created this army of super mutants with this uh green goo called the F E V. I can't remember exactly what that stands for, the something something virus, F E V but anyway it's really intense and the story's really, really cool and you meet all these neat little characters and you can you can pick up NPCs that follow you around and help you out in combat. And the, the there's a wide array of, of uh, armors and guns and, and things that you can use to defeat your enemies. What's really cool though is that you can also use your, your, your vocal abilities. You can talk your way out of a lot of situations in Fallout. So it's really, it's up to you. It's kind of like you pick your own adventure. You determine what happens in game to you and to the other people around you. And it is, I'm telling you, it's absolutely enthralling. And so Fallout 1 was fantastic. And then Fallout 2 came out, uh, like a year later they did Fallout 2. And it was bigger, there were more places, still set in the same general area, but they added some locations, and you got to go back and revisit some of the locations from the first game. And it continued the story, but what it did was it it opened up some new um, avenues of, of gameplay and some new factions and one of the big ones was the Enclave and so what the Enclave is is all the wealthiest and most powerful Americans got together right before the nuclear war and created this like underground system of bunkers and, and facilities to protect themselves and the Enclave is really just the remnants of the United States government that survived the nuclear holocaust and are running a military organization um, off of an oil rig, and they they have like the Mariposa military complex. It's really crazy. Like the, these games, like no shit. These games have some of the most complex, interesting stories of any video game I've ever played. And the storytelling and the writing of it is amazing. Like whoever put these games together, I I think it was, uh, it's Bethesda now, but before that it was uh, Black Isle and Interplay. I think Interplay made the first was responsible for the first Fallout game, and then Black Isle Studios was responsible for the second Fallout game. Interplay was still involved too, but they no longer... I think both of those studios are defunct. I'm not 100% certain on that, but these games were made... Okay, so Fallout 1 came out 97, and I'm pretty sure Fallout 2 came out 98. So you can imagine. They're old. They're old as fuck. These games are like 20 years old now. And uh, to this day... Whenever I play Fallout 1 and 2, they hold up as some of the best video game experiences I've ever had. And it's a totally different kind of gameplay thing than, than most, most people are used to 
in the uh, the modern generation because we're like we're the fucking Call of Duty crowd now, right? Like everything is first person shooters, everything is uh, you know. Uh, RPGs where you're in third person or whatever. Fallout 1 and 2 were a very different kind of game. Top down, turn based. You know, it was much more technical. You had to, and you had a ton of dialogue options where you could, you could, when you, when you engaged with a character, you could, you know, you could be nice to him. You could be mean to him. You could try and intimidate him. You could tell him go fuck himself. There was all these great options. And one of my favorite things about Fallout was the weapon and gunplay system because it's, it's not exciting at first, but when you score like really good hits and get a really crazy good kill, it rewards you with these awesome death animations for the little characters. So like you've got a minigun and you, okay, so how it works is basically you have a weapon and it does a certain amount, a, po- a certain possible amount of damage to the enemy. And that varies based on the amount of armor and, and damage resistance the enemy might have. So let's say you're a, a high-level guy and you've got pow- you're wearing power armor and you're carrying a minigun and you walk up on a dude that's not wearing any armor and is like he's coming at you with a with a spear, right? He's gonna be really fucking easy to kill. And so when combat starts, everything halts and freezes and it's your turn. And you're you usually get to go first, unless they attack you first. But when it's your turn, what you do is you uh, click on your weapon. You decide, you know, where you're gonna target him. You can you can do targeted shots with, with like sniper rifles. I want to aim at the eyes or I want to aim at his legs, and it's called VATS, Virtual Assisted Targeting System, something like that. And so you go into VATS and you you can click on. Um, wait, I can't remember now if VATS was in the third and fourth game as opposed to this, the first and second. Anyway, you it, the game pauses and it gives you the opportunity to decide where you want to shoot him. And if you have a burst fire weapon or a rocket launcher, you just shoot it at him, right? And so if you if you burst fire the minigun, you can get a minigun. If you burst a 5mm minigun, which doesn't make any fucking sense because I don't think that exists. But anyway, the 5mm minigun, you, you can target, you know, like if, let's say if you shoot at that unarmored, like low-level tier dude, so there's like 20 different ways for his body to just get completely ripped the fuck apart by this minigun and it's so satisfying and they make these funny little screams as they get ripped the fuck apart by this goddamn gun oh it's so good it's so so good if you shoot him with a rocket launcher they explode and body parts fly everywhere if you you hit him with a plasma rifle they turn green and melt or if you, if you torch him with a flamethrower they like they burst into flames and this like dude dances around on fire for a second before he becomes a pile of ash it's awesome these they, they you you get to kill things in a super duper satisfying way um you know so fallout 1 and 2 were the beginning of the series and they they really kind of flew under the radar for most people uh they weren't exactly mainstream video gaming um but uh they were they were beloved you know they were beloved is the right way to say that they they had a serious cult following uh i was counted amongst them and for years and years like we didn't hear anything about fallout and it wasn't until about 10 years later maybe less than that like 8 years later um we got word of fallout 3 was being made and so Fallout 3 was was developed by Bethesda, um, who's also responsible for Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim. You've probably heard of those games. Bethesda does RPGs very well. It's like what they're known for. 
And so um, they they acquired the Fallout license and they made Fallout 3. And, and Fallout 3 was a complete departure from the game style of Fallout 1 and 2. In Fallout 3, it was first or third person. And it was, you know, it, for those of you who don't know much about video games, it's like Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Like guns right in front of you. Um, and third person would be like over the shoulder view. Anyway, they switched. They went from this turn-based strategy thing, or I'm sorry, turn-based RPG to a real-time, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're playing it just like any other video game now. And that way it could be played on the PC as well as a console. And so um, Fallout 3 was not set in the same location or time as Fallout 1 and 2. I think it came it, it came either before or after the original games. I can't remember exactly the time frame, but... It was set in Washington, D.C., the Capital Wasteland is what they called it. And um, so one of the one of the really interesting things, pieces of technology from the original Fallout series was the Pip-Boy. And Pip-Boy was like a computer thing that you carried around with you. And it, it, you know, it told you what was in your inventory. It showed you the maps. It was this like it was like a personal assistant, really kind of like a primitive smartphone sort of deal. In Fallout 3, the Pip-Boy became a wearable item on your wrist. And so the Pip-Boy was your your nest for everything. Your inventory, your maps, same thing. You know, like where you kept your track of your quests, your clock, all that shit. And so the Pip-Boy is now, um, has become, you know, like a big part of that popular culture surrounding uh, Fallout. You can get like big model Pip-Boys at GameStop and shit. But anyway... You get your pit boy and you leave the vault. And in Fallout Three, it's more like you know you, your your dad is is missing and nobody knows why. And then you go out into the Capital Wasteland, and that was a very different feel for a game. I mean, it, you know, I knew it was Fallout, and it was awesome, and I, I really enjoyed it. Fallout Three is a fantastic video game. It's it's really really good. Um, but it it didn't feel exactly like the originals. They they haven't made a Fallout game since. Fallout 1 and 2 that felt like Fallout 1 and 2. You know, it's still the same universe. It's still still the same genre of game, post-apocalyptica, action action strategy kind of thing. But it's not exactly the same. And and how they, they, they still included the sort of turn-based thing in the game with the VATS that I mentioned earlier. And VATS is like virtual assisted targeted system. And like you're playing first person, you're like running around, you see an enemy, you can engage VATS. And it gives you the option of like targeting individual it pauses the game, or it slows it way, way, way down. That's what it does. It's not a full pause. It's just a super-duper slow. And in that super-duper slow motion, you can, like, target individual pieces of them, and it's fun. Because, like, if you have a really good weapon, you can, like, blow a dude's head off, and you get to see his head, like, fly in a circle, you know? And the, the thing was, the game was was pretty buggy. Bethesda titles usually are buggy. They, they come with lots of bugs and glitches and things. And Fallout 3 was really, really good. It told a really interesting story, and it was a lot of fun to walk around in first person and see the the Capital Wasteland and see Fallout from that first person perspective. Totally changed the whole environment of the game, and uh, the the story was really good. Anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. A lot more. There was a wider variety of weapons available for you in Fallout 3. It was a bigger wasteland, huge wasteland for you to like walk across and stuff. So it was great. It was a lot of fun and. After Fallout 3, they made Fallout New Vegas, which came out a few years later. Both games were built on the Oblivion engine. Because at the same time Bethesda was making Fallout uh, 3 and, and, and Fallout New, New Vegas, they were also producing the um, Elder Scrolls video games, like Oblivion, Morrowind, yada yada. And so 
which all of them really, honestly, the, the Bethesda titles from like Morrowind forward were all modifications and upgrades of the same game engine. And it's pretty fucking antiquated to be honest. And fallout four was their most recent title. It was still on that same old busted ass engine. And all they did was like slap some new graphics on it. It's, it's shitty though. It's buggy. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's been in use for so long that, that now these games are, are experiencing a lot more bugs. But anyway, Fallout New Vegas was incredibly good. It was set in Las Vegas. And there was a lot more stuff from Fallout 1 and 2 in Fallout New Vegas. But I told this really interesting story about you're a courier and you're trying to get a package somewhere and you get shot. And there's this whole, like army of robots that's destined to take over the wasteland and you get to decide in the end who which factions are 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 in control of the the new vegas wasteland and new vegas added some new weapons and you know it was it was it was great that honestly new vegas was one of the best fallout games they ever made one and two are my personal favorites three was really good new vegas was awesome so then after new vegas there was fallout 4 and Fallout 4 uh, was a total update to the graphic system and a total rehash of the gunplay, and it was good. But they removed a lot of the dialogue options that we've enjoyed for a really long time because Fallout 1, 2, 3, and New Vegas, you had so many choices with dialogue, and it was really interesting. With Fallout 4, they really limited it, and that was a huge gripe by everybody that played it. So... That was that was one of the hitches. I I enjoyed Fallout Four. Fallout Four was set in like the Boston area, and uh, you know throughout throughout all of the Fallout series, the Brotherhood of Steel remained a presence as a faction, but they played a much bigger role in Fallout Three and then Fallout Four. And you oh sorry about that. You get to use a lot of the, see a lot of that technology, and and the importance of power armor remains throughout the entire Fallout franchise. So, you know, you got power armor in 1 and 2, and then in Fallout 3 and 4, you get to have power armor also, and it's fucking great. Uh, Fallout 4 is a little different. They added more modification and, you know, um, mixing and matching pieces of power armor suits. Fallout 4 also added a settlement creation to the to the series where you get to build these, like, big settlements. It's pretty cool because you can build these, like, big structures and facilities to stash all of your equipment. But then... The most recent entrance to the Fallout series was Fallout 76. And so all the Fallout games from 1 through Fallout 4 in 2015, so from like 1997 until 2015, all the Fallout games had been single player. They even had this like mini app game called Fallout Shelter, where you built a shelter that was the vault. And... um. It was, Fallout Shelter was lame. I, I played it a little bit. It was kind of fun. But anyway, uh, Fallout 1 through 4 were all first-person games. And now, in 2018, Bethesda announced that they'd been working on a new Fallout game, and everybody was excited about it, and it turns out it was an online multiplayer. And suddenly, everybody was not excited about it. <laughs> and it's set in the Wastelands, very recent after the war. Like, most of the other games are set way into the future after the war. This one is set, like, right after the war. So the wasteland is empty, and you're in West Virginia. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Uh, yeah, they that was my Elvis um, <laughs> country roads. Take me home. Uh, they, that was the song that they picked for the theme of their thing. And it was really cool, actually, because I got super hype over the Fallout 76 ad where it had that 
it had that uh, Country Roads song and it, the power armor, and it looked really cool. And, and I thought, like, cool, man, multiplayer will be fun. And so they released the game, and it's a fucking disaster. It was, like, one of the worst releases of a video game in recent history. They fucked up so many things. The game was bu- buggy and glitched, and it, it felt empty, and uh, they they, like, promised people that paid certain amount of money for the like premium package they were supposed to get like a canvas bag and instead they got this like shitty plastic bag and everybody lost their minds over that and it was just <clears throat> there, there's a lot more that goes into it i don't want to get into all that shit it was bad dude it was one of the worst releases of a game ever and, and the game got horrible scores like real fucking low like like four out of ten which is really hard to get that lowest score. So it, it it was not well received. And they have been working overtime ever since to repair it. And I actually just went back and revisited Fallout 76 this last weekend and enjoyed it. You know, it's it's one of those things when they're when they're when they're working on a game that's that's uh well okay, so the entire game industry a lot of game companies are working towards the idea of games being a uh, an ongoing service, games as a service. And so they released this Fallout 76 game, and it was broken as fuck, and they knew it, but they released it anyway, rushed it out, and now they've been patching it, like, even from day one, patching, 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 over and over and over, and adding new content, and adding new content. And one of the biggest gripes with the game is that it doesn't have any characters that aren't other players. They wanted the game to be mostly about playing with other people, and that really was kind of shoehorned. There should have been other characters in the game, but anyway, the, the games as a service model... Uh, it's it's kind of fucky because what it's causing game companies to do is release these games before they're really ready and then just say, hey, man, we'll patch it. And sooner or later, people pick it back up. Well, it's it's not really effective for a lot of reasons, but what it does is it kills the initial impression of the game and then nobody ends up playing it later on down the line. One, another video game that had the same problem was Battle Star Wars Battlefront 2. Star Wars Battlefront 2 was like one of the worst video games. It might be the worst video game release of all time comparable to Fallout 76. And so they still work on these games. Now the thing about Star Wars Battlefront 2 is that it made a complete turnaround. It's now a really fucking awesome game. In the beginning it was not. There was this whole loot box thing. But then Fallout 76 has been a shit show and it's it's improving, but it's a slow 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 progress. And so Fallout 76 is it's a symptom of the market that we're experiencing with video games now where developers are trying to rush out titles to to meet deadlines and 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 hit you know um sales figures that the the higher company above them wants them to hit and then as a result they're making poor decisions they're delivering products that aren't complete they're pissing off customer bases and generally shitting up the fucking video game industry and so Fallout 76 was was a really really great example of 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 what's wrong with video games right now because video games in the past there there were there were years prior where a million great video games came out that were perfectly scored and everybody had an awesome time and now video game services are are moving more towards these models of trying to squeeze as much money as possible out of the player and it's obvious and you know there's these things called microtransactions ooh evil microtransactions and that's where you can you buy the game and then in game there are ways for you to spend more money like on cosmetic items, you know, suits that make your armor look better or whatever. And Fallout 76 was broken as fuck from the ground up right away on release. 
and still had microtransactions. So people were people were livid about that. They haven't gotten rid of it either. It still exists. And they their own currency in game is called atoms, and like like one hundred atoms is a dollar. And so like for a uh, a uh, one suit of like one paint for your your power armor was like fucking the the equivalent of twenty U.S. dollars. It was madness. You know what I mean? So Fallout. And Bethesda, they've really fallen from grace with their customer base. They've really fallen out of favor with a lot of people that play video games. But to me, the Fallout series is still one of my favorites. Um, I, I I hold a very near and dear place in my heart for Fallout 1 and 2. Fallout 3 and 4 and New Vegas were all really good games. And I've even enjoyed and spent a lot of time in Fallout 76. It's just... You know they they really have a lot of work to do to bring the bring the saga back to what it was in the past, and so I hope they find that. I hope they I hope they find that because, you know the the, the originals are amazing. All the other games that they've made so far are really really good. And if you get a chance, if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go and play Fallout One and Two. Highly recommend you go and play Fallout Three, New Vegas, and Four. They're really really fun games. You should you should even give Fallout Seventy Six a whack. It's cheap now. It's like twenty bucks. You know, they're really, really fun video games. They're 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 masters at telling stories, you know, the the environment that they create, the the vault boy sort of comic book thing they've got going on who who tells stories and is part of the whole lore. He's in there. Um, you know, is is he's this like white dude with blonde hair, he's always giving a thumbs up. There's there's just a lot to it. The the culture and the history and the world that the game creates. Fallout is in in my top video game franchises of all time you know and 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 i highly recommend it go give it a play um and uh let me know what you think fallout 1 and 2 are on steam if you if you if you have steam steam is an online gaming service that allows you to purchase download install and play video games all from the internet no discs or anything required all the fallout games are on steam all of them so so get on steam like fallout 1 and 2 are like fucking five dollars a pop it's totally worth it I have both of them on my my Steam account. So go ahead and go check them out. They're awesome. Fallout. Love it. One of my favorite video game series. Definitely recommend. So now that I've discussed a little Fallout action, I'm going to move on to the second topic of discussion. One of my all-time favorite TV shows wrapped itself up this year, this week. um, was the Well, Sunday was the final episode, the series finale of Game of Thrones. Bow, 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 da, 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 me, 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 me. Wah, 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 wiener, wiener. Yeah. You know the rest of the song if you're a fan of the show. Game of Thrones. The the story of the War of the Five Kings and the, the realms of Westeros and, uh, well, you know, all those other places. Pentos and Bravos and yada, yada, yada. Anyway. Game of Thrones ended. The last season, season eight, the final season of the original Game of Thrones series, because there will be more. They're already they've already got new series, spin-off series in the works for Game of Thrones. Season eight was the culmination of ten years of working and watching and being a part of the Game of Thrones universe. Now, before I continue. I, I I want you to stop right here if you haven't watched season eight. If you intend on watching season eight, if you if you if you if you don't know anything about it, stop right here because I'm gonna do full spoilers, baby. We are going full spoilers to do this review. So stop right now. Don't listen any further until you've completely watched the Game of Thrones season eight, and then come back and revisit this episode of the podcast and uh, 
you know, listen, listen and, and see what you think. See if you agree with me. Full spoilers ahead for season eight Game of Thrones. Final warning. OK, now season eight, uh, the White Walkers, the Night King, the final great war, the biggest threat to the seven kingdoms have breached the wall. That's where we were left off at the end of season seven. We waited two fucking years. Two fucking years. It was a long goddamn wait. Finally got here. Six episodes. The first episodes were an hour each. And they were both basically set up episodes. Setting us up to to get ready for the big final battle at the wall. And in those 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 two first episodes, we see a lot of interesting dynamics. Um, with the characters, uh, like uh, you know, Sansa and Danny, Daenerys Targaryen, they're not getting in. They're not. They're not getting along. They're 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 kind of rough. They're not. Uh, they're not happy with each other. You know, they're 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 abrasive to one another. I think Sansa detected early on that Danny was, hmm, sort of sort of not right. <laughs> Something wasn't right with Danny. Something wasn't right with Danny. Sansa picked up on that because she's smart. She's been through a lot. She's not an idiot. And I think Arya Stark picked up on that too. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, Arya and, and Sansa are, are distrusting of Daenerys Stormborn. Uh, there's this whole scene that's super emotional where Sam Tarly finds out that Daenerys executed his family. And he was really, really upset about it. And it was really touching. And then in the next scene, one of the next scenes, Jon Snow finally finds out that he's a fucking Targaryen. And that's where everything starts to get really hairy, right? And that was <clears throat> not an immediate concern was was Jon's relationship with Danny, But, um, you know, we, we were really primarily concerned about the battle. And so then the next episode... You've really got this like darkness setting in where everyone is accepting that the battle is coming, right? There's this beautiful moment where Jamie knights Brienne of Tarth. That was probably the best scene in the whole episode. It was beautiful. You can really see their relationship is 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 nearing its completion, its full its full potential. And uh, you know they they have this nice scene where everyone sits around a fire and talks about shit. Tormund. Oh man, in, in, in I think it was in the the first episode or the second episode, Tormund and the dudes from the Wall, like they have this whole like, awful horror experience where this the Night King has left like a bunch of body parts in a spiral like he always does, and this little boy like screams and they set the bitch on fire. It was awful, but they have this really nice moment where they they sit around and joke and laugh before the final battle, and you know it's they're really setting this thing up, and so then the final battle actually takes place. And it is, I, I, that was episode three of season eight of Game of Thrones was the single most stressful episode of television I've ever watched in my fucking life. I have no idea how to fully express just how miserable and, 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 and just scared I was throughout the whole thing. Like who's going to die? Who's going to die? But I enjoyed it. Uh, it was, it was a good kind of scary. The one, so it was during this episode that we started to realize there were some serious deficiencies with the writing on the show for season eight. And it was most evident for me in the tactical decisions that were made by the armies that fought the, the final battle at Winterfell, the battle of Winterfell versus the night King. And you know, it, I, I read this one. Um, I read this one breakdown about the battle from, 
uh, a, a United States Army soldier who did like a full military breakdown of what uh, what what went on um, at Winterfell during the the battle, and it was it was bad. His review was not good, and so basically what they did was they had you've got the fixed fortification fixed fortification of the castle Winterfell. Outside of the perimeter of that, there was some land, and then there was a a line of uh, pointy barricades and then a slip trench that went all the way around that. And then outside of that, on the other side of your barricade, you've got your indirect fire, which was your trebuchets. They had fucking trebuchets. But they had them outside of the defensive perimeter, which doesn't make any goddamn sense. And so then in front of them was your light and heavy infantry, and then in front of them was the cavalry, the Dothraki. And so, naturally, the cavalry is, in a, in a real military situation like this, the cav would be forward of the infantry as a protecting unit, but the way the battle played out just didn't make any fucking sense. Like, the the lady comes, the, the red witch shows up, and she sets all the logs on fire, and then the fucking, the Dothraki, there's no reconnaissance, they have no idea what's in front of them, they just know that the army's out there, so they fucking charge, all the Dothraki charge with these flaming blades that the, the Red Witch gave them, and they all die. <laughs> just, I mean, like, the, all the lights are extinguished, and the next thing you see is just a bunch of Dothraki come, like, running back, including Jorah Morma, and it just, it was bad. I was like, what the fuck was that about? Like, these dudes just, just sacrificed themselves, there's no point in doing that. They, they charged an overwhelming force and got fucked up, and so then, the 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 poor infantry guys see this and then they just get to the wall of fucking zombies the whites just like blast ass into winterfell and it turns into a slaughter where it's just like all the human forces are getting their shit kicked in it's awful it's you know people are dying left and right that one night's watchman got killed which was sad but you i, I thought that the main characters like Brienne Jamie Jon Snow. I thought these people were fucking dead like over and over and over again. And then they they weren't. They just kept they they the plot armor was impenetrable for most of the main characters. And so uh the battle was really crazy, you know, the hound like balked at first and then when when Beric Dondarrion was like, "Well, she's not giving up." And the hound sees Arya Stark, that's when he goes and fights. It was really there were a lot of cool little moments in 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 the final battle and it was visually striking in a lot of ways, but it was also really dark. You couldn't really see a lot of what was going on and that was most evident with the dragons because you know, now the Night King has Viserion one of Daenerys's dragons he's a blue dragon he blows like blue flame and they get into this dragon fight where Jon Snow's on Rhaegal and and you know she's on Daenerys is on Drogon and they're fighting Viserion and it's fucking crazy but you can't really see what's going on all that well I had to go back and rewatch it with my beta turned up you know so or wait gamma I'm sorry not beta <laughs> my gamma turned up the, the the brightness turned up so I could see what the fuck was happening in this goddamn dragon battle it was actually really cool when I could see it but then, um, you know, the, the the battle rages on. The Night King gets knocked off of his dragon. And uh, it just, it, it looks like everybody's dead. You just think that everybody in, in Winterfell is fucking dead. Like, the, the whole army's been decimated. There's only, like, 12 people left. You know, and it's mostly the main characters. They're trying as hard as they can not to die. Like, Podrick and Brienne and Jamie are just hacking at zombies. Tormund's on top of an enormous pile of them. They're all dead. You know, it's just this really grotesque battle. And you think everybody's dead. And then right at the fucking end, the Night King just, like, walks on in to where Theon Greyjoy has been hanging out with Bran, the fucking 
the useless lump that Bran is. Hasn't really done anything through the whole episode. He warged into some crows, but that was that. You know, like, this guy hasn't done shit. And uh, all the other soldiers outside are dead, so it's really just Theon is left to defend this dude, and they have this really nice moment where Theon kills, like, a shitload of White Walkers. Like, if this dude was playing Call of Duty, he had a nuclear strike ready. Like, he had a serious killing spree. And then he's standing there, and it's just like the Night King is standing there, and they're looking at him, and Bran looks at him and says, you're a good man, thank you. And it's a really nice moment. And then fucking Theon charges the Night King and gets killed. Blip, dead. So pointless. I didn't. I. I. I mean, he. He had a good death, but at the same time, like, I feel like he might have had another choice. You know. Anyway, the battle's looking really grim. Everybody's getting their ass kicked. Jon Snow is trapped by this big fucking blue dragon, Viserion. He screams at it. He tries to one v one the goddamn dragon. Screams. Ah! Yells at the dragon like a fucking idiot, and then. Uh, you know, the Night King goes in for the kill, and it's over. Except that out of fucking nowhere, Arya Stark with the knife to the titties! It was, oh, it was great. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole season eight, was when Arya Stark flew out of nowhere, Night King catches her by the throat. You're like, oh, shit, it's over. And she she does that thing where she drops it to one other hand and stabs him in the fucking heart. That's literally it. The battle's over. We've won because of Arya Stark, the hero of Winterfell. She kills the Night King, and the entire army falls over. Okay. Meanwhile, right before this happens, Daenerys gets knocked off her dragon. The dragon gets covered in fucking zombies. It was really bad. Jorah Mormont is like standing there defending her to the last. Like he's fighting to his last breath to save Daenerys Stormborn from the, the horde of zombies. Meanwhile, oh man, there was an earlier scene where the little girl, the one that the little badass girl that everybody likes throughout most of the show, fucking uh, uh, G- Liana Mormont. She she like charges a giant. A giant like runs into the castle, smacks her out of the way like fucking garbage. She gets up. She charges this bitch. He picks her up, crunches her, and she's dying. And she stabs him in the fucking eye. So she gets she gets the best kill of the night. Kills besides Arya, she kills a fucking she kills a White Walker dra- or, or giant, and and dies in the process. One of the really freaky scenes though is like it's all over. Everybody, Jon Snow falls off the dragon. All these whites are dead. The the the, the arm both armies have been decimated. You know. And uh, the the Night King makes everybody stand up. <laughs> so all these new dead people stand up for the Night King. And you're just like, fuck, this is so fucked, it's over. And then, of course, Arya Stark does kill the Night King. And we're successfully moving on past the Great War. The Great War is over. But it's it's kind of strange because you, you sort of wanted that to be the end. The conclusion was the end, the, the, the final thing. But the, the Great War, the White Walker War, the war against the Night King was it kind of felt like that was supposed to be the final battle but it wasn't the final battle was Cersei Lannister <laughs> so you know she she had promised her forces to aid in the fight against the night king she had promised her forces in season 7 but she reneges on that and Jamie Lannister shows up um he leaves her and shows up at Winterfell in season in this season season 8 and you know Daenerys says okay you can stay and help us fight and so at the end of the Great War with the Night King, now the question remains, what do we do about Cersei? And it was weird for me because like, I watched the entire army of the living die. Like that's what I felt happened. Like I felt them fucking people all got fucking shrecked. <laughs> they got they got they got murked. Okay, there weren't no goddamn Dothraki left. The fucking Unsullied fought to the last man. Like, like it it just there I, there shouldn't have been any army left. But 
there's half of them left. What? Where the fuck were they at the end of that big battle? Where the fuck were all the Unsullied? Because as far as I could tell, Daenerys Stormborn and fucking Jorah, who died, were all fighting by themselves. There wasn't no Unsullied around to be picking them off in formation. It was. It, it just didn't look like there should have been any any military forces left and 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 that that kind of fucked with my head that was a big deal for me uh, anyway uh danny says come on we're going and and so they go straight into the fight with cersei lannister and so episode four is like the setup for that and you're starting to see uh some 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 ticks of insanity creep forward and you know Daenerys is starting to act like really aggressive there was this great okay so season episode 4 had this great big party right where they everybody's like freaking out and drinking themselves stupid which by the way that party was one of the best parts of the entire season was the post uh a winter battle of winterfell celebration now there was a big funeral pyre where they burned all the bodies of those who had died and watching theon and and jorah burn like that was very very sad and tragic and john gave this great speech right before they burned everybody which was really cool but then afterwards it was a huge party and during this huge party uh daenerys gives gendry his own kingdom and i can't remember or his own like house baratheon i guess anyway um yeah because he's a baratheon she names him like the the head of the baratheon house and that was really cool but like she's starting to get paranoid you can see it she's like looking around acting all paranoid like you know no one loves me the way that everybody loves Jon snow and like there's this one scene where tormund is talking to Jon snow and he's like oh who rides a fucking dragon you know it's really great tormund's getting shit-faced and it's 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 a lot of fun and she's not having any fun because she's like these people don't love me and so that was like the first time you really start to see her get get wacky. But then it's, imp- it, it, I think in that same episode, or it was before the Battle of Winterfell, Danny finds out that Jon Snow is a Targaryen. Jon Snow tells her. Sam told Jon, then Jon tells Danny. And Danny is like, You can't tell anybody. Don't ever tell anyone. And he's like, Why? He's like, Because they'll fucking turn on me. You know, you have, you, you are the heir to the Iron Throne. I can't have nobody knowing that I, I'm not the heir. And so she starts to, like, you know, that was her first, like, twinge of distrust, and then, like, the party is another twinge of distrust, and the party was great. Uh, amazing lines throughout the party, and you find out that Brianna Tarth is a virgin, which is, ooh. And, and so then, uh, somewhere in there, Missandei gets captured by Cersei Lannister. And the army of the, the living marches on King's Landing. And so... Um, oh dude, by the, so before they make it, they're like going to go to the King's Landing and fucking out of nowhere, Euron Greyjoy just fucking shows up and, and like 360 no scopes fucking Rhaegal the dragon in the throat, kills him with one of those scorpion things. It was the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. They're just flying along and out of nowhere, a giant bolt two two or three bolts just takes out one of the fucking dragons and it's it's from these big the big fleet that's down in the water you could totally see it from the air like there's no reason they shouldn't have seen these goddamn dragons they were aerial reconnaissance on the dragons danny didn't see it it was just silly which was one of the major character flaws of Euron Greyjoy Euron was a shit character in the show because he just kept popping up out of nowhere and fucking killing everybody he was like imp- imp- impervious to any kind of plot like he 
when he killed that dragon, I, that that for me was a moment that I thought was really fucking stupid. It didn't make any sense. I hated it. I wish they would have done something different. But so then she loses her dragon, and then Missandei is captured by Euron Greyjoy's fleet, right? Because okay, that's what was happening. Right, that's what happened. So they they disembark after the big celebration. They go straight into the the invasion of King's Landing, where you know Daenerys wants to rip out Cersei root and stem, and. During this movement, they're they're logist their their log pack down to King's Landing. One of the dragons gets killed. The whole fleet gets fucking wiped out by Euron Greyjoy's ridiculous overpowered scorpion machines, and then Missandei gets captured. They take Missandei down to King's Landing. The army of the living shows up at King's Landing, and then fucking Cersei Lannister standing there, and she's got this this Missandei chick standing on thing, and you know Theon or not Theon, but uh, Tyrion Lannister is like. Please don't fucking do this. You're going to die. Like, we're going to win. There's no way for you to win. Fucking please don't do this. And and Cersei just stands there and stares at him. And, and, and it was... I, poor, poor Tyrion. He he pleaded with people throughout the whole season. And he never really got through to anybody. Because what does she do? She chops off Missandei's head. And that was the moment that really caused Danny to snap. And that was like the final thing she needed to just like be like, fuck this shit. I'm going crazy. Uh, throughout this whole thing that I've described, there's been a lot of really weird little instances of shitty writing and, and, and character arcs just kind of disintegrating. And there was like, you know, Brienne and Jamie, you know, they get back together. But then, uh, after the army disembarks, Jamie leaves her. He's just like, fuck it, man. Fuck my character arc. I'm going back to Cersei. Which made no sense. It was stupid. We were all, we were all positive that he was going to kill her, right? He was going back to King's Landing to fucking kill Cersei. And then there was another bit with Bronn. He just comes out of nowhere with a crossbow because right in the beginning, fucking Cersei had tasked him out, like you know what or what's his name, old, old shitbird, uh, uh, wizard guy. The fuck was his name? Kyburn. Kyburn tells Bronn, you know, go kill Jaime and Tyrion. Well, Bronn goes, he just like busts up in the fucking castle and like punches him in the face and says, give me High God or die, and then beats out. It was stupid. It didn't make any fucking sense. Jamie going back to Cersei didn't make any fucking sense. Uh, the dragon getting shot, sniped out of the fucking air didn't make any fucking sense. And so there was just this this recurring theme of, of shit not making sense. And it felt like they were rushing things. And it felt like they were, oh God, uh... They were they were trying to quotation marks subvert your expectations. That's what one of the directors um, or the writers, uh, David Ike and D.B. Weiss. Anyway, they said subvert your. They wanted to subvert your expectations with the sh- the show, and that didn't work too well for them. There've been a lot of things. Now listen, I'm I'm going. I'm kind of like glossing over the story here. There's a lot of other parts and pieces to it, like the whole thing where uh, Varys. Uh, you know, he betrays the queen and ends up getting fucking cooked. And there's this this whole thing of uh, Arya joining the Hound on her mission to go kill fucking, the, you know, Queen Cersei. And there's a lot of other things that are going on in the story. But the, the general gist is the army moves in. Uh, Jon Snow told uh, he he kind of betrayed Danny by telling his sister Sansa and his other sister Arya in front of Bran, the wheelchair man, who hasn't done shit the whole season, that he's a Targaryen. And so then it starts to grow. Varys finds out. Varys tries to send out word because Varys is now scared uh, by what danny has been doing, her behavior. And she ends up executing Varys with the dragon. And Tyrion watches it. Tyrion betrays Varys 
and gets him killed. Anyway, there's just a lot of things happening. It's fucking Game of Thrones. You guys know what went down. The big final thing, the big culminating battle after, you know, Euron Greyjoy fucking snipes the dragon and every Missandei gets her head cut off is that the army of the living invades King's Landing. And the first thing to happen is Daenerys comes out of the sky. She comes out of the sun with her dragon and and just um, fucking decimates the Iron Fleet, which makes almost no sense at all because in the in the fucking episode like literally the episode before the fleet sniped the shit out of one of her dragons and then shot so many arrows at her that she had to turn away but in this one suddenly she's like a fucking f-18 just going through an, an a-10 thunderbolt and just just smoking all the ships blows up Euron's fleet fucking game over man like she got buffed. The dragons got buffed and the scorpions got nerfed because fucking they, they weren't worth a dick, man. Like every scorpion, those are the big ballista arrow things that they're trying to kill the dragon with. None of them worked. None. And so she like, the Golden Company was the mercenary army brought to Westeros by, by Cersei Lannister to help defend the city. Turned out to be a complete fucking waste of time. Useless organization of 20,000 dudes. The dragon blows through the gate, smokes up the fuck, fires up the whole goddamn place, cooks all the scorpions. The Golden Company just gets routed immediately by the Army of the Living. You know, the Dothraki, the Unsullied, everybody. There was this one really hilarious scene where the, the commander of the Golden Company is like running away from the Army of the Living and he just gets mowed down by fucking Grey Worm. I thought that was actually pretty good. But anyway... It's just it, it's 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 there there was a lot of inconsistency throughout season 8 and and this battle was probably the biggest example of that because instead of creating really a believable and 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 interesting plot points about why they're suddenly winning it was just like well they were really powerful this episode now they're not they suck they can't hit shit these these uh these ballista things and she didn't know what was going on before but suddenly she's become like Danny became the fucking best fighter pilot of all time on the back of this goddamn dragon literally cooks the whole fucking city and so Cersei Lannister is just standing there the whole time staring out the window not really saying a whole lot uh, Danny cooks the whole goddamn town, and Tyrion, Tyrion betrayed her, released his brother to go into the walls and and try and talk Cersei down. But you know the the armies are routed, and everybody's like got their fucking ass kicked by the army of the living. The dragons burned up like half the fuck all the defenses of the city, and so then Danny's standing, she's sitting on the dragon on the wall, and they start ringing the bells. Like you know, okay, we surrender, we surrender. And the bells just trigger the fuck out of Danny because she goes full tilt, mad queen, and just decimates, I don't know, probably a half a million people in the fucking city with her dragon. She just burns the whole goddamn village up. And while she's doing it, the army, all of them, Dothraki, Unsullied, everybody, they just go ham on the fucking civvies, man. She, she, she's cooking men, women, and children, babies and, and, and little girls, and everybody's just getting trashed. They're just getting torn apart by Danny and her fucking murderous, psychopathic dragon. Oh, God, it's bad. It's bad. It, it made me sick to my stomach a little. Like, I was like, holy fuck, she's really doing it. And, uh, but... I'm going to be honest, 100% honest, kind of enjoyed it. Thought it was awesome. Finally get to see a dragon just go full tilt, fuck everything, and burn down the city. It was it was, it was, was gloriously gory and, and awful. It was, it was really intense. But there's this whole thing where Arya Stark is, like, getting bopped around, like, every three seconds. She's just getting blown apart, just, like, blown off screen by the fucking dragon. She, like, watches all these people get cooked. It's really, really grossly violent. And... You know, the, the the army is now raping and marauding and, and pillaging the entire village. But while that's happening, 
motherfucking Clegane Bowl. Get hype! Clegane Bowl! Sandor finally faces down with his brother. Uh, what was his name? Sandor Clegane and Sir Gregor Clegane. Sir Gregor Clegane, the mountain. They finally have their showdown. It was called Clegane Bowl by the internet. And um, it finally went down. And one of the funniest deaths of all of Game of Thrones took place at the beginning of Clegane Bowl. Because, like, the, the, what are the, the Kingsguard attack Sandor, the hound, and he kills him. And then uh, Sir Gregor, like, the mountain steps forward and. Cersei's like, stay with me. And and he's just like, fuck you, bitch. And he like takes another step forward and then Kyburn walks up. And he's like, Sagrega, God your queen. And and fucking the mountain just looks at him and grabs him by the throat and smacks his head against the wall and then fucking yeets him. He just gives him that yeet. He yeets his ass, throws him fucking all the way down the stairs. Kyburn hits the floor, his head explodes, and his brain just like splatters out. It was goddamn fucking it was hilarious. And so then Cersei just like scoots past him, like, okay, you guys, you guys, you guys obviously got some fucking shit you need to settle. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna exit stage left. And so she walks off. And so then Sandor and Gregor get it on. And it's brutal, man. It's, it's crazy. And you really think that the hound is gonna win because he stabs this fucker through the heart. And then he stabs him through the goddamned eye, puts a fucking knife through his eyeball in all the way through his skull. And the fucking mountain is just like pulling this knife out of his fucking head real slow and the hound just is like laughing hysterically he's like fuck it there's nothing i can do charges him pushes him over the side of the the red keep and into a, a just a pit of fire and that was the end of the hound and i thought that that was a very fitting death i thought the hound had one of the best deaths in the show uh another good one was the red the red witch like she completed her mission and and saw the end of the night king and then she just like walks into the fucking snowy abyss and chucks off her necklace and and turns to dust i i kind of liked that i thought that was poetic like she was an evil bitch and she did some horrible shit throughout the show but in the end you know she served her purpose and decided to disappear so cool yeah peace later uh so yeah anyway danny burns the goddamn city down fucking john snow and Tyrion lannister are just in shock over it they're watching this whole nightmare play out like people everywhere are fucking dying and then uh jamie finally gets oh jamie has the stupidest fucking battle of all time with euron Greyjoy, who just like euron's whole fleet gets decimated by danny and it's like way way out in the middle of the harbor like fucking three miles from shore and in a matter of minutes old goddamn euron fucking straight up blasts ass swims all the way back and just by chance catches jamie lannister in that stupid little cove where the dinghy boy the dinghy boat is waiting for cersei and jamie to make their escape and uh they have a little battle royale. It was so fucking stupid. Like that I hated that. I hated that Euron showed up like that. I hated that they had their stupid little showdown. And uh in the end, you know, Jamie kills Euron, but not before Euron fucking jacks him up pretty good. And so then Jamie goes up in the red keep, finds Cersei. And uh meanwhile, uh Danny's just burning the whole goddamn city down. I mean, it's bad. She she torches like they show this one scene where so much of the city has been decimated that now her father the Mad King, those pots of wildfire that he stashed under the city are now cooking off, you know? So the whole fucking place is burning up. It's a goddamn apocalypse. It's fucking bad. And uh, Jamie finds Cersei, and they go to make their getaway, but the the exit is blocked off. And so the final death of Jamie Lannister and Cersei Lannister is a bunch of fucking rocks fall on their heads. I mean, how... That was the worst death of the season. That was the stupidest, most pointless bullshit I have ever seen. Because A, 
fucking Jamie Lannister's character arc got chucked right out the window. His character arc, someone said on the internet, became a circle. He literally ended where he started. Just a hateful bastard who went back to fucking Cersei and dies. Just dies. Just stupidly at that, under a bunch of rocks. And then fucking... And then, and then Cersei... You know, the most evil bitch in the series. We all wanted to watch her die horribly. We wanted to see her get skewered by Arya. We wanted that plot to, to play out. Nope, nope. She gets to die in the arms of her lover. Fucking the Volonkar prophecies just out the goddamn window. Like, they they did away with all the prophecies. The prophecies are all gone. Like, they were, th- those directors didn't give a shit about the prophecies. But anyway, stupid fucking death. Uh, st- stupid fucking way to kill off two of the most important characters of the show and and completely decimate Jamie's character arc. I hated it. Uh, the Hound's death was really cool. Loved it. Uh, Kyburn's death was like probably the best one in the whole goddamn season. But anyway, episode ends, and uh, we pick back up. Um, last episode, series finale, and everybody is just reeling in shock from the fact that Danny went fucking psycho with the dragon and burn down the whole goddamn city and so uh it starts really with her giving this like super hitler speech to her men about how they've killed all of her enemies and now they're gonna go throughout the rest of the world and kill all their fucking enemies and uh it's it's super darth vader joel and adolf hitlerish like she's she's gone full tilt fascism and and she's running the show with her dragon baby and so she knows that Tyrion Lannister betrayed her. So he walks up and he was like, you murdered fucking hundreds of thousands of women and children. And he takes off his hand to the queen pin and chucks it down the goddamn stairs. He says, fuck you. And she takes him into custody. Right. And so then there's this whole scene where Jon Snow and Tyrion Lannister have a chat. And basically Tyrion is like, you got to fucking kill her, dude. And, and, and or, I'm sorry. Tyrion says to Jon Snow, she's got to die. And Jon Snow's like, she's McQueen, which is what he's been saying the whole fucking, but she's McQueen. Oh my God, bro. We get it. She's your fucking queen. You need to kill the bitch. She's my queen. Also my aunt who I fuck. It's like, Oh, dude, they talk forever, and it takes forever for Jon Snow to come to the realization that the only choice he has left is to kill Daenerys Stormborn, because you know she's gone full fascist mad queen. And so, uh, you know, there's a scene where Danny is in the throne room, and 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 it's awesome. I love that scene where she's like, the music is perfect. It's it's perfect. The whole scene was set up beautifully. She walks in. It's it's very visually stunning and striking. And she's talk. John's in behind her. She turns around and she talks about how you know the throne was this thing she couldn't imagine. Thousands of swords, yada yada. They have this chat. She talks about it. And she talks about how she does the same thing. She goes back into this like whole spiel about how she's going to help fix the world. She's going to break the wheel. She's going to stop the evil. And she's going to do it with her dragons. And he's like, but what about the people that don't agree with you? And she's like, they don't get a fucking choice. And so in that moment, he tried to convince her. Like He tried to talk to her about you know, not being an evil psychopath. And instead, she obviously isn't going to change. And so they have this, he, he's, he's, he looks her in the eye and he has this beautiful moment where he's like, you are and always will be my queen. And he kisses her. And there's so much love in that moment. And it's punctuated by him slipping a knife in her fucking heart. And John kill, John, John kill, John Snow kills Daenerys Stormborn right there before our very eyes. And <clears throat> I'm going to be honest, I, I found it heartbreaking because it was obvious that they both truly loved each other, even though they were star-crossed. They were, they were tragic lovers. Um, she was seduced by power and, and riddled with, uh, psychopathy. And he was, 
in love with a woman that couldn't contain her lust for for power and but they but they both did love each other deeply and and the the actors really did a great job of portraying that and i i i her final moments were really intense and i it reached me i enjoyed it and then you know the dragon comes in and sees her dead and you think like oh john snow's about to become a fucking cinder but instead the dragon burns down the iron throne and so that's that's kind of confusing cuz you're like he's a fucking dragon like how smart is a dragon but anyway most people are theorizing that uh, the dragon realized that what really destroyed Daenerys wasn't Jon Snow's love or the, the the knife in her heart. It was the fact that she was completely maddened and 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 stricken with psychopathy over her lust for power. And uh, so the throne was a symbol of that. And so he burned down the goddamn throne. Uh, a lot of people hate it. A lot of people love it. I don't know. I it was good enough for me. the The show ends with uh, s- some confusing choices. Um kind of confusing uh they make this whole council they go straight from her death to like Tyrion Lannister is in custody Jon Snow is in custody by the the unsullied and there's this like council to determine who becomes the next king they decide they're gonna like elect an official and there's this kind of like slap happy moment where they make fun of Lord Edmure which was like kind of strange and there's this one moment where where Sam tries to do a democracy <laughs> and they all laugh in his fucking face uh and and you know it was it was just it was kind of jarring to go from like this sad Danny's dead holy fuck super intense to like ha ha let's make jokes about Edmure being an idiot and you know it just it was herky jerky and uh they end up picking Bran the broken Bran Stark Brandon Stark winds up being their pick for king uh, uh, from the words of Tyrion Lannister, who's currently a prisoner. And so, I mean, like, I dig it. Like, I'm okay with that. But uh, they just, they could have done it better. And then after Bran is elected king, um, you know, they, they say, like, that's the, that's, that's the wheel that Danny wanted to break. And so... You know, it was it was it was it was the end. And then Jon Snow to compromise between the Unsullied who want him dead and, you know, the the Starks who want him to live, they send him to the wall. Which was stupid because the Unsullied leave and then he still goes to the wall. I was like, Well, they they they're gone. Like they're going to Noth to honor Missandei. Like fucking just stay, dude. They're they're leaving. It's cool. Like they're not gonna know. But they didn't do that. He still goes north. And then uh, Sansa in the council is like, I accept this, but the the north will remain a separate kingdom. And Bran doesn't say anything about it. He's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. And and what's weird about that scene is that, like, the fucking pirate chick was sitting there. She wanted to be an independent kingdom, but she didn't even say anything. Like, oh, 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 she blindly accepts it. Sansa gets to have her own northern kingdom, but fucking I don't, I mean, I don't know. There was just characters did a lot of things this season that were out of place for those characters. There wasn't a lot of consistency with the characters. And the whole King thing was, was like evident of that. And, you know, then in the end, uh, Arya decides to go off and be an explorer. She's fucking Dora the Explorer now. She gets on a ship and sails off into the deep west to find out what's off the map. So, you know, okay. And uh, fucking Jon Snow goes up to the wall and then, like, Tormund's there waiting for him. And he finally pets the dog. Thank God he pets his fucking dog, and then he, they, you know, he fucks off beyond the wall with the wildlings. So he, 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 in the end, doesn't actually stay at the wall. I mean, like, what's the purpose of the wall anyway? The wall is the wall was there to fucking guard against the 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 goddamn zombie army, but now it's defeated. So why do they need the fucking wall? What's the fucking point? Why why send anyone to the black anyway? The best the best description you got was the world will always need a place for bastards and broken things. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, that's that's good enough for me, I guess. Uh. 
Yeah, it, it it just it was good, and I enjoyed it, and I I I thought that throughout season eight, the visuals, the cinematography, the effects, the music, the acting, it was all pretty fucking good. You know, like the the visuals, everything was just. Uh, the the technical stuff was extraordinarily well done, as always is on Game of Thrones. But a lot of the writing was just off; it wasn't there. I had one of my friends, Brittany, who is like a diehard Game of Thrones fan, lost her shit over that last episode, presumably because Bran got to be the king. They really didn't do anything with a lot of these character arcs and plots that we've been sucked into for so long. Like, Jon Snow's a Targaryen. Doesn't mean a fucking thing. All it served to do was piss off Danny. Uh, uh, Danny was the breaker of chains and, the, and the, 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 the mother of dragons. Two of her dragons get fucking killed, and then she's not the breaker of chains anymore. She goes full psychopath and murders half of King's Landing. That didn't really make a lot of sense in a lot of ways. I kind of dig it, because it was brutal. Typically, Game of Thrones brutal, but it was just kind of... It didn't make sense. And and one of the primary reasons that it didn't make sense is because of how rushed it was. They didn't really take their time with the season, man. This, so what I've been told is that HBO wanted like two more seasons, 10 episodes each to really flesh the shit out. But the two directors, or I'm sorry, the two directors and writers, uh, D.B. Weiss and David Icke, were offered uh, Star Wars films. And so they wanted to, They it's it's the main theory is that they rushed through. They said, no, 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 we don't want 20 more episodes. We want six more episodes to wrap the whole goddamn thing up. And HBO went along with it because they were in control of the series. And, and evidently George R. R. Martin, the director of, or I'm sorry, the, the creator of the series, the writer of the books was not a fan of that either. So they rushed through this thing and, and it was just a lot of it wasn't believable. Like Danny's descent into madness. They could have totally done that. It was totally okay, but it just, it didn't, they needed to do it better because it, it, it wasn't fleshed out. It didn't feel real. It felt sort of forced. Like she went from being this like liberator of cities and lover of the slave to being this goddamn psycho fucking genocidal maniac, which in a very short order over the death of like a friend and a dragon and some paranoia over Jon Snow being a Targaryen. I, I, I just, it didn't ring true. I didn't buy it. You know what I mean? And uh, there were other, you know, character arcs that were assassinated, like I mentioned before, Jamie Lannister and 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 uh, uh, his whole, you know, he falls in love with Brienne of Tarth, but then just fucks off from that, goes right back to where he started. Made no sense. But there were some things I really enjoyed, like the fact that Arya rode that Gendry dick before she killed the fucking Night King, and uh, there was a fantastic display of some awesome side boob also by Maisie Williams, by the way. Um, there was some really touching moments from Tyrion Lannister, who is my favorite character. He always has been. Uh, the moment where him and his brother... God, man, it was that, that was really tough. Right before Tyrion releases Jaime to go save Cersei, try to stop her, say, try to save Cersei, he has this moment where he explains to Jaime that he was all he ever had, that he was the only one who never treated him like a monster, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was really touching. He cries. They hug. It was sad. There was an, uh, another really intense moment with Tyrion later on where he finds their bodies buried under rubble, which, like I said, was a stupid fucking death, but that moment where he finds them is very touching. So, you know, it, it was really... It was really a season of up and downs. Things that I enjoyed, things that I didn't enjoy, and... um you know, all in all, I they I think they wrapped it up uh, fairly succinctly, um, but it, it was rushed and it was kind of poorly written. And a lot of the decisions that were made militarily, um, decisions made by characters, decisions made by the writers with characters were really poor. 
and I think it could have been a lot better, and it could have been much more appeasing to the fans. I've I've read uh, an enormous amount of hate for it from a lot of the the bigger fans of the show. I've seen any you know just a shitload of discussion about how much people hate it. They hate this season eight. I've seen memes out the ass just that are just just fucking hating on it and. I think it was exacerbated, the hate was exacerbated by these stupid talks that the writers of the show would give after every episode where they explained why they did certain things. It just made them look fucking stupid, a lot of the things that they said. It was it was bad. I mean, like, this has been kind of a shit show, and I... I'm I'm okay with a lot of the decisions that they made. I like that Sansa wound up on her own throne. I like that Jon Snow ended up going north because I feel like that's finally where he belongs. Dude's experienced just too much. He's been through too much. He didn't want the throne. He didn't want to be king anyway. I kind of like that they picked Bran or Bran, 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 Bran to be the the fucking king in the chair. <laughs> the fucking, he <laughs> what someone said uh uh Danny wanted to break the wheel. So they broke the wheel and then replaced it with two for Bran. Um, for Bran, gotta keep mixing those up. Anyway, yeah, I'm okay with Bran being the king. He seems like the most intelligent, wise one of them, anyway, because he can see everything. You know, he he acted like he already knew. Uh, I'm good with Tyrion Lannister being alive. Thank you, fucking God. I I I really, honestly, uh, anybody else could have died, and I would have been okay as long as Tyrion made it because he was my favorite character and Tyrion makes it and he ends up the fucking the hand of the king at the end which is perfectly fitting um but the the way the whole thing went down kind of left a weird bitter taste in my mouth you know what I mean so Game of Thrones uh absolute favorite tv show of all time seasons one through four five and 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 six were some of the best television I've ever seen in my life season seven was good had its flaws season eight was Pretty fucking iffy, man. Um, and uh, uh, you know it's over, but you can I, I absolutely guarantee you there will be a lot more Game of Thrones for us in the future, and it'll give them plenty of opportunity to drive it into the fucking ground already worse than they've already done. <laughs> not that it's not that it's terrible. I don't think it's honestly terrible. I thought that the ending was good. It was it was it was really I really enjoyed the visuals and the music. I thought that was perfectly executed, but. Um, but yeah, more more Game of Thrones to come. I'm pretty sure there's already um, several other TV series spinoffs in the works. Um, so uh, we'll we'll definitely see what they have in store for us. We'll get to see uh, what what uh, fucking Arya Stark finds in the Deep West. I hope it's the United States. I hope she comes and 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 wreaks havoc on the U.S. Um, I want to tell you guys before I sign off uh, on this Game of Thrones kick. I, I want to tell you a story about a thing that happened to me regarding season eight Game of Thrones um, that was extremely unique and fortuitous. And so uh, I follow Game of Thrones on Facebook, and they did this advertisement a while back for uh, a liquor they made with Johnny Walker. Get it? Like White Walker. And so they posted that on Facebook, and I commented on it and said... um, I'm going to need a fucking like four cases of this shit to get through until season eight. And so everybody thought that was really funny. And I got a bunch of likes, got a bunch of attention on Facebook. And so randomly out of nowhere, I get a message from some fella. Uh, and, and he, um, tells me that he works on the set and that he has access to props. And would I like a prop? He told me all about the show. We talked for a long time, real nice guy. I won't say his name and I won't tell you what his job was, but he was a really cool cat. 
And um, we had a long conversation about the show. He told me about the actresses and actors. It was really fun. Good conversation. And the reason he did that is he said, I never get to talk to anybody about the show. And I'm just kind of bursting into seams. And I'd, I'd like to share my experiences with the fans. I was like, that's great, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it. He's like, by the way, if you want, I could probably send you a prop. And I was like, that's fucking dope. Uh, I will trade you a bottle of my favorite Kentucky bourbon for a prop from the show. And so he sent me a dragon glass arrow. And now I have a dragon glass arrow sitting on my wall. And dragon glass was the obsidian substance that they used to help kill the White Walkers. And so, yeah, I have a, I have a dragon glass arrow from season eight of Game of Thrones on my wall at my house from the set. And so uh, I sent him a bottle of Maker's Mark, and so he drank it. And that's my cool story. That's my <laughs> surreal story from uh, from Game of Thrones season eight. Uh, uh, you know, I uh, if I had to rate it on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably give it a six. A lot of it was perfectly executed, like the visuals and the sound effects and the fucking, a lot of the acting was really spot on and the music was really good. Um, music was fantastic. And, you know, there were a lot of things that happened that I really enjoyed. Like, I think my favorite moment in the whole thing was the the big party at the end uh, in celebration of the Battle of Winterfell. I actually really enjoyed watching Danny burn down King's Landing, but in like a really sort of grotesque and brutal way. Uh, I liked that Tyrion Lannister made it and that he finally got to tell his joke about the honeycomb and the jackass. Uh, I, I, I mean, there was a lot of it that was good and then there was a lot of it that I hated. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I just, I'm kind of glad it's over because it's been kind of stressful, to be honest, uh, especially after the Battle of Winterfell. But uh, anyway, I, I hope you enjoyed this uh, this this review of uh, season eight of Game of Thrones, and I hope you enjoyed my little telltale about uh, the Fallout series. And uh, if you did, be sure and 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 like and share my my stuff on social media. Uh, go into iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, rate my my show. Give me a good positive rating. The more stars, the better. The more people will listen to it. We can grow the podcast, and <clears throat> we can try and get more people on the show. But uh, once again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, let me know what you think about my review of, of Game of Thrones and my my little uh, my little recap of Fallout. And uh, keep listening. Uh, next next episode should be some form of interview. Um, uh, I will actually, you know what? I think what I'm going to do the next episode because I've I've as a result of scheduling conflicts, I've been unsuccessful in allocating a veteran to interview the next episode, which is what I would normally do. I think next episode, I'm going to talk about my military service. I'm going to go into deep, I'm going to deep dive into my military service and tell you about what it was like for me to become and exist as a United States soldier. So that'll be the next episode and that'll come out. Um, you know what I'm doing? I think I'm going to start releasing episodes on Tuesdays because of my weekends are usually hectic. I work all week, but uh, Monday night is usually the perfect night for me to sit down and record podcasts with myself or guests. So I think from now on, I'm going to do all the episodes on I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to release them on Tuesdays and I'll let you guys know if that changes in the future but so next Tuesday uh, I'll give you guys an episode where I talk about my service as a United States soldier so once again thank you very much for lift li- uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, I hope you listen more in the future I hope every one of you guys has a fantastic week <laughs>